us today, I have Dr. Michelle Farrell. Um, she runs a private practice over in Germany. And so she's joining us. It's a little bit later there where she's at. Um, so good evening, Dr. Farrell. And if you could just kind of start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Dr. Michelle Farrell. I am a fairly recent licensed psychologist. Um, I was licensed as a psychologist a couple of years ago now, so still fairly new to the field of psychology in some ways. Um, currently, I work in Germany. I'm a military spouse, so the military brought us over to Germany. And for anyone who has been affiliated with the military, they can tell you that spouses oftentimes have a challenge with finding jobs and positions that um, can suit them, mm. especially overseas. Mm. And so um, fortunately, and, and I can talk a little more about this later if you would like, but yeah. fortunately I was able to connect with some English speaking counselors here mm. who are um, running some private practices and I got mentored in how to do that. And I started oh, really not that long ago, March, of 2021 and since then the practice has really grown um, i do primarily telehealth but also have a partnership with a church in the area where i can see people in person as well um, and i work with a variety of people but um, my main focus is um, english speaking expats who live in germany in, in the surrounding areas. And so that can look like military families, um, even missionaries, mm. and also people who just come here for work, uh, for their business. And I, um, I work with children, teens. Uh, teens are probably my favorite. Okay. Adults, couples, and uh, do some parent training as well. So quite, quite the variety. Yeah. Neat. Um, yeah, I would love, to, I would love to, I want to get into all of that. Um, I think first, can you tell us, uh, kind of, I want to hear a little bit about your journey. So maybe, um, start with where your interest in psychology first began and, uh, what led you to a graduate school program? That's a good question. Um, as you, may have heard from other people who get into the field of psychology there can be a general sense of i want to help people mm. um, but not really sure what that means or what that looks like and you kind of want to save the world but you don't really <laughs> know so I, I think part of that was there for me starting out um so uh, growing up i um, had the opportunity to have an adopted brother Okay. who has several different diagnoses, um, including mm. autism, um, along with some others, mm. and they were adopted internationally. And so from a young age, I had an awareness um, that there were needs all over the world for mental health services. And so I had a desire to support communities that were underserved, under-resourced, um, especially internationally from mm. that. Um, when I was an undergrad, I was able to study psychology, mainly because it seemed fun to me. Yeah. 
Um, and I was able to work with a psychologist who went overseas and, and did trainings with clinicians in okay. Pakistan specifically. And that experience of being mentored by that psychologist showed me how much I didn't know <laughs> and how much I had to learn. And so really that's what led me into mm. looking into a graduate degree because I knew I had a lot more to learn. <laughs> Um, and I really like the idea of being able to train and support others in their communities um, as opposed to being the one to always provide the services. But how can I come alongside communities with their unique strengths and culture mm -hmm. and background and needs and, and support the systems that are already in place mm -hmm. so that they can have the resources they need to thrive, yeah. what that looks like for them. Yeah. So, um, when I was in graduate school, um, I wasn't quite sure how all of that would turn out. This desire to work overseas, somehow reach communities that were underserved. Um, and um, because I, I didn't know anyone who was really doing that mm. at that time. So uh, through, through that process, I was able to have the opportunity to get a really good foundation of psychology, uh, individual counseling, I had a year where I was working with children and that was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> for anyone who's worked with children, um, you probably know that you almost have to redefine what therapy looks like. Mm. Because it's less words and more play and more connection. And, and so that sort of shift in getting that training was really helpful for me. And um, after several years in graduate school, uh, getting that foundation i was able to after i graduated and after internship find a postdoctoral fellowship that was really focused on working with children and families and, and that kind of set me on a path that i am now gave me that that chance to work more with the population that i found i really care about mm. when is it that you realize you wanted to work with children or adolescents mm. I think probably halfway through my postdoctoral fellowship. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it was a little bit of a kind of walk by faith journey of all right, what are the opportunities that are given to me and how can I be open to those and what am I truly interested in? Oh. Uh, the, the first year I worked with children when I was in graduate school, that was my third year of graduate school. Okay. It was pretty stressful. I think I had a lot on my plate. And at the end of that, I thought, I don't know, this is pretty hard. Hmm. <laughs> but um, based on where my husband was stationed for our postdoc, he's also a psychologist. Oh, so, okay. so we um, navigated internship. We both went on internship at the same time. Uh -huh. um, and then for postdoc fellowship, I wanted to find a place that was near where he was stationed. Hmm. Uh, and the fellowship that I was able to get with children was um, right in the town where he, where he worked. Oh, neat. And, and after some time of working with children and getting adjusted to that job, and before that I had done some college counseling too, so it was a little bit of an adjustment. <laughs> but I started to see the power in really strengthening and healing bonds between children and caregivers, hmm. whether those caregivers were their biological parents, adoptive parents, foster parents, grandparents, <laughs> whatever the role was, 
And I really saw this lasting impact mm. where it went a lot farther than my one hour a week with mm. this family because it was the family making changes and building connections uh-huh. throughout their day and daily life. And, and that's where I saw, oh, this, this is exciting. Mm. This is what I want to do. And uh-huh. So that, that's probably when I decided that. Okay. Did, uh, did your husband, did he go through like the HPSP program or was he already, uh, yeah, did he, so in college you can join like kind of the military through your training and then they'll help pay for it. Did he do something like that or was he already, did you meet him and he was an army psychologist already? That's a good question. When I met him, we were in the same, not internship cohort, the same graduate cohort together. There were, I think, around 14 of us, give uh-huh. or take. Um, and at that time, he was in the application process for the HPSB. Okay. So, uh, so I think once we started dating, which was the end of our second year in graduate school, I think he had accepted that scholarship and was mm-hmm. on the path to become an Army psychologist. Okay. And then, and you were able to get... So me and my wife, we were looking into that and she was going to um, apply. We, we could still do the one year scholarship, um, but we were thinking, I wonder how that would work with both of us going on internship and then having where you, where you get stationed. So it sounds like it worked out pretty well for you too. It did for us. I will say it doesn't for everybody. Okay. For um, and I know other couples that, um, had to be more long distance during that time. Mm. Um, and I think you know, regardless of the situation, there can be challenges with it. Yeah. What we ended up doing is I chose to apply for college counseling internships because there's so many of them. Uh. They give me flexibility and, and I like the population as well. <laughs> uh, and, and that gave me um, the ability to rank highly where I went for internship, which was only an hour away from where my husband got matched. And oh, so, okay lived in the middle and both did a bit of a commute so um, this so we finagled it a little bit yeah um yeah there there are options with it definitely but can be a little complicated (laughs) well good i'm glad it worked out so well for you guys and then and did he what uh serve serve for a few years in the states and then you guys ended up in germany Mm -hmm. yeah so um with his program and I hope I'm not giving you wrong information. The military is so complicated. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so I'm still I'm still learning. Um, but he completed his training, his internship and postdoc um, at a training facility. Well, one of the I think there's four for the army now hmm. uh, for psychologists. And then uh, Germany was his first duty stationed oh. duty station after training. Okay. What did you think of that? Um, so I think for me, just based on my background and I've I've always had a little bit of a glamorized view of living overseas. So, um, for me where we were in our life, it was exciting Mm. and adventure, but there definitely was a question of what does this mean for me Mm. as a psychologist? And and I really had to think about that and, um, you know, let go of my, I guess the, 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 formula I had in my mind of what psychologists should do mm. graduating. And, um, and again, that definition of, you know, what a 
successful psychologist even is. Uh And, and, you know, it's been amazing. And I think when I let go of that and was open to whatever the experience was, Mm. it's given me the opportunity to learn how to be a psychologist in a different way, Mm. uh, grow in so many ways, and also how to be more of who I want to be as a human. (laughs) What was, uh, what was your maybe preconceived notion of what a psychologist has to be that doesn't fit where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think I had the idea that as a psychologist, you should do an internship, do a Mm. postdoc, Mm. maybe get hired on wherever that is Mm. uh, and and just keep that consistency, always Uh be working um, and, and doing the next thing. And, you know, moving to Germany with Mm. jobs being different. um, I ended up not working for, gosh, maybe seven months or so, which um, was probably the longest I hadn't worked since I started graduate (laughs) school or maybe before. So for me, I think that was a really good time to have a little more space. And, Mm. um, And I don't know about you before. I think for a lot of graduate students, there's so much you have to do and so much you have to keep track of that sometimes you don't have a chance to reflect on who you want to be mm. and what you even want to do. So for me, having that time was really helpful. Mm. Uh, and I think it equipped me to start a private practice here in Germany and um, be able to make it look how I wanted it to and what suited me. And it, it's worked out pretty well. It's worth a lesson. I'm good. I um. Um, you know how you can be a civilian contractor on a military base. And sometimes I believe I might be wrong, but I think that they hire civilian, um, psychologists to be contracted. Is that something that you ever looked into? Is that, um, is that not, maybe not common, but is it likely that you could get a position like that? Cause that was always my, I was in the military and I got out with the notion that I was going to go to grad school and then just become a civilian contractor on a military base. Um, so maybe you can burst my bubble or, or <laughs> yeah. What's the likelihood of that? I think it's very likely. Okay. Uh, I think it would depend where you are in the uh-huh. world. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know other psychologists, including myself who had some challenges with finding a contractor or a GS position over here. Um, but a lot of that was more related to, um, it being a pandemic Mm. and everything looking a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it might not be as guaranteed when you're overseas, you might have to get creative, but especially, um, you know, a lot of people can request veterans preference or military spouse preference if it's Mm. a position that you're really interested in. And that can open a lot of doors for you. So I I definitely think it's an option. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. What is, uh, tell us a little bit about your thought process uh, and and how you, you said you got some connections when you started up your private practice. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, I was actually on my graduate school's uh, alumni page, I believe. Facebook page at some point, and I saw a licensed counselor 
post on there, if anyone's looking for a job in Germany, I'm looking to have people join my team. Oh, wow. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So I reached out to her and I lived about three hours away from her. So for me, I thought, well, you know, I'll just see what her experience is, see if I can learn something. Um, And through conversations with her, um, I learned about a a type of practice here in Germany that I don't remember the German word. I wish I did, Hmm. but it's um, basically a variety of independent practitioners, but who work together as a team and as a community for one another. And she gave me the opportunity of joining on as that to have my own private practice, but then also support from a community of other practitioners. Um, And I think that component was incredibly important for me Mm. in terms of uh, peer consultation, Mm. uh, logistics support, how to make sure you didn't upset the German government by doing your taxes wrong, (laughs) things like that. Um, And and I think that really helped me uh, be set up for success. So was able to start um, that partnership and get a lot of referrals through that community starting out. And um, it really got me on my feet. It's still a a great encouragement to me. Yeah. What a neat program. I, I, uh... I imagine that starting a private practice in Germany, um, yeah, I don't even know what that would entail with the government and with taxes. And um, I'm surprised that they allow non-citizens to to start private practice over there. Yeah, yeah. You you really have to um, know the regulations. And mm-hmm. so it was a little overwhelming for me at first. I was thankful I had people who had done it before me. Yeah. Uh, because there is, um, you, you know, in, in the United States, we have our way of being trained as psychologists. Yeah. Um, but in Germany, it's very different. Um, psychologists are trained in a very different way. Oftentimes, mm. instead of being trained as a generalist, they're trained in a specific modality, such as um, Adlerian therapy or psychodynamic therapy. And oh. that's their thing. And so even sometimes the language that is used around psychology, around diagnoses, even is different. Mm. And so for me, as not a German citizen, but fortunately here on kind of a a military visa, this Uh SOFA status is what it's called, I had the ability to work as a freelancer um, and provide counseling services. So you you have to learn the language. And um, in Germany, I don't call myself a psychologist because that means something different. It means mm-hmm. that you've been in the German system, mm-hmm. but I can provide psychological counseling and, um, and offer services in that way. And so okay. that's how I learned through the mentorship of many others um, <laughs> to start to serve people here. Yeah. And how did you get into connection with the church that you, uh, that you work with? Yeah, that's a good question. So I started, once I started working, with the community here in Germany, I just realized that for people who are expats, um, who speak English, but um, are in Germany, but Germany is not their native land, uh, native home, um, a lot of times those people fell through the cracks. And I understood with the military system, oftentimes um, active duty members and maybe their families would be checked on. But then for contractors, or others who were here in Germany, oftentimes there were not many resources mm-hmm. for them. And so I started to reach out to churches near 
um, a local Air Force base just to see. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, if I'm already seeing so much need with my little private practice, I wonder what it's like for churches. Hmm. I wonder if they could use some more support. And um, one church in particular was really receptive. Um, I had several meetings with the pastors. We talked through what this partnership could look like. Hmm. Um, I was able to go to their church and meet everyone, go up on stage. And, oh, wow. uh, and after that, I was able to create a partnership with them where I provide counseling services for um, members of that church um, and, and also use their facilities, which gave me a, a good chance to see some people in person. Yeah, good. Nice. Much needed. Is is the reason is the primary reason that you mainly use uh, you know telehealth with your private practice because of the pandemic, and then once it's over, if if that ever happens, you'll be able to see people in person. That was the original reason I got started with telehealth. Uh-huh. Um, also, just starting out um, from a business standpoint, thinking about the investment starting out of, you know, how much money you want to put into a business and um, how, how to plan financially. I thought telehealth was a good financial decision mm. uh, because then I don't have to rent a business or anything like that. Yeah. And the more I've done it, um, you know, the, the regulations in Germany are a little bit different. You know, in the United States, you typically have to be licensed in the state that you're seeing clients mm. at. Uh-huh. Um, in, in Germany, you can see anyone in Germany, really anyone in Europe. Oh, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. You just have to be aware of your liability insurance, make sure it covers where that person is and make sure there's good plan in place for wherever they're located. So it, it works a little differently. So being able to do telehealth services has given me the chance to see people gosh, all over Germany. Um, even into a couple other European countries. And um, I haven't mentioned this before. It gave me a chance to partner with a couple mission organizations oh. who um, wanted another psychologist to refer to when their missionaries needed a little more support. And so that gave me a chance to see people in the Middle East and in uh, areas in South America as well. And you, you have to look at the country's regulations, but you're yeah. learning how to be a psychologist internationally is quite the learning curve as well. And yeah. That's so neat. Um, there's a few of us here and uh, in, in my cohort and the cohort above us that really kind of have a passion like, like you yourself said uh, of going overseas one day. And some of us, there's, there's one lady who is on t- internship now. She, she wants to go to Thailand. Um, and so, we're we're all kind of toying with how we can make that happen. So, what you're what you're saying is is in a lot of ways it's um it gives hope and it's uh it's just it's just it's thrilling to hear you talk about being able to partner with um with missions and to talk with people all over the all over because are you familiar with member care? Mm-hmm. That's a route that me and my wife are considering. Um, so yeah, so that's just what a neat opportunity that you have. That's really cool. Oh, absolutely. And um, if your um, fellow classmate and colleague wants any more information about working in Thailand, uh, I know a counseling center in Thailand. Uh, of course you do. So, <laughs> so that is just amazing to be able to build connections with people yeah. all over the world. And 
Um, and, you know, there's so much to think about, you know, even from, you know, if you think about a multicultural perspective. Mm -hmm. When I first started working here in Germany, um, and I was working with people from all different cultures, uh, I was like, gosh, okay, how, how does them with their cultural background intersect with them living in Germany, speaking <laughs> English, me with my cultural background. And, um, and I went back to some of my multicultural books um, from graduate school, which I think very highly of, but a lot of them were really centered in the United States and what it's like for um, marginalized communities to live in the United States. And I was like, well, I'm not in the United States, so what does that mean? How do I? <laughs> So it's been um, mm. been another thing that's been really wonderful to learn about and also humbling as well. Yeah, I bet. Do you have a do you uh, through through your research? Do you have any good good resources to recommend for someone who is looking into how culture plays um, an impact, but not here in America? Mm. There's a book um, called Third Culture Kids. I don't remember okay. the author. To get it to you uh, later, um, yeah. and that's a pretty good resource. But mm -hmm. a lot of times, I go back to some of the foundational listening and cultural humility skills I yeah. learned in graduate school. I'm like, okay, so how do I ask with curiosity? What is it like for you mm. with your background and how you see the world, and how is that different from how your parents see the world? Mm. And how about the people around you? And um, asking those questions and really learning different people's stories. And yeah. um, I, I think that's probably the main thing I yeah. find myself doing. So neat. You should write a, you should write a book on it. <laughs> um, I'm considering it. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your theoretical orientation? That's a great question. Um, I would say my theoretical orientation is mostly attachment based attachment theory. Okay. And, and I think that fits really well with um, kind of my favorite work to do, which is with uh, children and teens with some mm. sort of um, attachment wound or mm. issue related to early childhood attachment. So um, a lot of my clients have, um, have been adopted or um, gone through foster care and that sort of thing. And so for me, understanding about uh, attachment and how to build healthy attachment, repair it and strengthen it has been really relevant for working with this family. So I think that's what I find myself falling back on most yeah. often. Okay. How is it for you working with um, children and adolescents over telehealth, like Zoom? Kind of, is it, do you see it as kind of a barrier in some sense, or is it just as, can you, you know, readily play games and build a, a build a, a secure attachment and good relationship with them just as you could in person, do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm. I think it really depends on the child and their uh -huh. age. Um, I, what I have found is that for younger children, so under eight years old, yeah. uh, for me personally, it's pretty challenging. I know a lot of therapists who do it. Mm. Uh, I have a lot of creative methods, screen sharing, games, mm. a whiteboard activity, um, to activities where they stand up and move a lot. Um, and, and so there are ways to do it. But for me personally, uh, yeah. ar around age nine or so, um, 
and older when a child can can sit and and engage with me it mm. seems to be working best but it, it takes a lot of creativity um i have a couple uh hipaa compliant video platforms that have a lot of games on them and okay um, a whiteboard and i rely heavily on that for for more interaction and mm. it seem to really like it okay do um would you mind the hipaa compliant with the with the games and stuff on there is that something available to uh people in the united states as well Yes, um, the main one I use with younger children is called Hopscotch. Okay. It's right now a free app that's created by therapists. I think it was created during the pandemic because they realized they needed a more kid-friendly um, platform. Yeah. And um, I also, I recently did a presentation for um, a missionary organization about doing telehealth with children. So if you want any resources for that, I can also pass on the PowerPoint. Um, that would be great. A lot of it is having really good games up your sleeve and finding out what they're interested in and mm. using that, whether it's Legos or Minecraft or superheroes or art um, and, and building off of that. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned, you know, you do couples therapy even. Um, are there, are there certain types of cases that you, only began seeing once you started the private practice or um did you have some experience with couples during uh, grad school stuff like that yeah. i had a little bit of experience with couples in grad school um yeah. i think in my second year i did some work um with a few couples and then um, on internship as well i was able to learn a lot about emotion focused therapy for couples okay. um, and be mentored by some older and wiser therapists who uh -huh. realized that, which I was thankful for. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I was planning on avoiding working with couples initially <laughs> because it's hard. Working with couples is hard. Uh, there's two humans involved and usually hmm. uh, things that are very uh, deeply personal hmm. and um, sometimes a lot of hurt. And so, um, I initially wasn't going to see couples, but I think with the pandemic um, and just with life stress as well, mm. what I've seen is for a lot of couples, um, at least living overseas, um, it's not that there are new issues necessarily, but it's that the issues have been intensified mm. because the stress is higher, the time together might be higher, and so things might escalate a little oh. bit more. So I really started seeing couples more because people kept asking me to. Um, and so before I started seeing couples, I, I went back to some training and went through um, uh, Gottman training uh -huh. to learn about Gottman couple therapy. And uh, I'm still getting consultation on working with couples um, yeah. to make sure I'm working within my scope. <laughs> and I, um, I, I fortunately have had some good experiences uh, with couples because it, that's an attachment um, dynamic as well. And yeah. so helping to be a part of that healing can be really powerful. Yeah. I wonder, you mentioned with the pandemic, I wonder um, how much of that has helped in some ways, some, certain couples maybe help them to slow down and reconnect with one another. Cause maybe whereas before they were both up and about and their schedules were always conflicting. I wonder if for some people, if it was helpful that they they had to kind of 
slow down and be together again. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. Um, that was just a thought that I had, but um, with uh, so with with couples, uh, teenagers. Um, adolescence, what is it that you said your favorite work is with adolescence? Um, is there, is there like a, I don't know, can you share maybe a, maybe a small story of like a, a nice kind of a breakthrough client that you've had recently or some type of, um, some work that you thought just went really well? Sure, let me think for a moment. Okay. Let's see. Oh, I think the reason why I like working with adolescents uh -huh. so much is um, because it, it can be really hopeful. Um, you know, that season can be a really, really hard season. Hmm. Uh, and then on top of um, just that being a hard stage of life for many people, then potentially have a, a mental health diagnosis or um, to have early life trauma on top mm. of that can really am amplify challenges and, and make it very difficult. And so, um, you know, being able to be a support for adolescents um, mm. and, and young adults too, and um, give them space to be without expectations. Mm. I think what I see is that a lot of clients really desire that. Mm. That in of itself can be healing and supportive. Um, and, and I think that's a really important foundation because yeah. I think many clients of that age range, if they don't trust you, they're going to make it clear. <sighs> uh, sometimes with adults, you know, they can power through or, um, you know, that they may be taking a, a bigger role in their own healing journey, but with, with teens and children, that relationship is most important. Mm. Um, and, and so I would say, I'm thinking of one client, um, I have had recently who, um, she just acknowledged to me, oh, thank you for letting me say all my emotions here mm. and that all emotions are okay. Um, and, and I, reinforce that that yes you know we if we don't face our emotions we don't know how to deal with them <laughs> we're trying to suppress or ignore or they're overwhelming us mm. um and so even just that little thing being able to have that space to name what you're feeling can go a long way yeah yeah i think you make a great point i was i was reading uh just last night about safety being kind of the very most important thing and that if if your client doesn't feel safe, then they're going to have defenses up. And if their defenses are up, then they're not going to be able to um, work on work on what they're defending against. So, um, yeah, safety is like the primary importance. And I think a lot of times it goes overlooked in some cases. Yeah. Um, and I talked with you a little bit of, before we started about um, about being, you know, a new up new psychologist and going through grad school and starting a private practice and then also being uh maybe considering starting a family um have you 
where where are you guys at if i can ask um in starting a family or do you plan on doing so in the future or mm -hmm. yeah. yeah you definitely can ask yeah. yeah um i think so far with um what life has given us we've paused that part mm -hmm. of growing our family yeah. um, to to go through some of these milestones while we had the opportunity and mm. um and and I knew for me personally, and my husband husband really supported me with this, that um, I especially needed to finish my dissertation because <laughs> if we started uh, to have children and I had that dissertation, I don't know if it would have ever gotten <laughs> That's just me, because I, I, I'm not that type of psychologist that loves that type of research. <laughs> so I needed some extra support and space to do that. Uh -huh. um, but and and you know live, moving to germany having an overseas move um and then knowing that we'll we'll be moving back to the states um and not too long in the next year or two um you never fully know when that will be um but even though we think we might that things can always change um you know i think we're we're learning a balance of you know, maybe there's never a perfect time Mm. Um, and also, you know, what, what makes sense based on what season of life we're in. And, and when I was thinking about a job here in Germany and I was thinking about a GS position or government contracting position, mm. um, I was also thinking about flexibility for me, uh -huh. um, and wanting to ensure that I had, um, the ability to step back if I needed to slow down, if I needed to, or figure out what a new balance would look like. And so being able to start a private practice um, has given me a bit more agency over that. Um, mm. And also a little bit more opportunity to travel while we're oh, here, which is important for us. Yeah. So um, that I think our hope is, um, and, and you can never fully plan on these things, but in the next couple of years, um, yeah. but we'll, we'll see what happens. We're very open to it. Okay, good, yeah. You mentioned um, you mentioned in a year or so moving back to the states um, with this turn of events and having a private practice and working with the church and uh, where do you see yourself uh, moving to once you come back to the states and what kind of practice do you see yourself getting into? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I think before I started this practice. Um, my thoughts were very much like okay where can we find me a good job working with children at um a hospital or some sort of uh outpatient clinic or something like that yeah. um, since starting this private practice and just seeing how many opportunities there are to make the practice of psychology work for mm -hmm. you um I, I think i'm a lot more flexible about where we end up mm -hmm. uh, i could see myself in some way continuing um, some sort of private practice with inter an international focus, um, uh -huh. possibly shifting more to member care, um, or possibly shifting more to even a testing practice a little bit. That's one mm -hmm. part of um, psychology I miss doing uh -huh. this sort of work. Um, and I, I love counseling and, and I quite like telehealth counseling as well, but um i'm missing assessment a little bit which i never thought i would say <laughs> <laughs> so um so i i'm really open to a couple different options it might depend on if we have kids or not as well but 
um, I, I think that's a good place to be, especially as a military spouse, because um, we don't quite know where we'll be in the States yet. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of an open curiosity and flexibility. Yeah. Does your husband plan on uh, continuing service? Does he liking it so far? Yeah, for now he does. Um, I think his main question is also what does work-life balance look like? Uh-huh. Uh, and so I think that's an ongoing conversation that we have. Um, and um, I think the more he works within the military and works in different um, different units at different duty stations too, it gives him more information about um, what, what fits for him and what fits for us. And um, if we have children, you know, what's going to fit for the whole family as well. So I would say, um, again, openness and a lot of (laughs) ongoing conversations about that. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned travel earlier. Have you guys, uh, gone to like, I don't know, Freud's estate or museum or anything like that over there? (laughs) We haven't yet. I'm hoping that we can make it to uh, that area. Um, and hopefully to Vienna and things like that. We haven't made it quite that far, um, what's that east, that far east yet, but we'll we'll probably end up doing a little bit of that. Not too much. (laughs) We keep keep working vacation separate. Uh (laughs) Yeah, but uh, you know, with this pandemic, um, every country handles it differently. So uh, for Germany and Europe in general, there have been a lot of restrictions and a lot of times where we haven't been able to travel. And so mm. um, anytime that we do get to, for example, over the summer, things open up a little bit more. Um, we've been very grateful for it. And, and we've had a chance to see some pretty cool places. My favorite so far has probably been Italy. We got to go to Rome. Oh, nice. Good. Good. Um... Is there, kind of my last question, are there any authors or maybe who has been kind of influential in, uh, in your studies or in your work? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. So many. Huh. Um, probably Sue Johnson with Emotion Focused Therapy. Um, the book, Hold Me Tight. Um, re- really changed the way I understood couples therapy and and it really helped me understand attachment in general and it's a pretty nice read too you know not super academic which is my favorite I yeah, like okay. <laughs> that are kind of fun to read and there's a lot of case studies in that hmm. um, so I think that one um, another one let's see if I have it here oh I think I do um, and, and I am not, uh, I don't get any sort of, um, compensation for, <laughs> books. um, but one, um, type of therapy that has been really helpful for me and that I've learned a bit about, um, is more attachment focused therapy for children with trauma. Um, and so the author, uh, Paris Goodyear Brown, um, She's written several books about children with trauma from an attachment-focused lens. Um, one of her most recent books is, um, I have it right here, it's called um, Parents, it's probably like backwards for you, but it's Parents as Partners in Child Therapy. Um, okay. And it's been very helpful for me in learning how to incorporate the parents more, be mm. uh, a team with mm. them. Man, that sounds really useful. I, I went, I just recently, um, 
took part in a trauma-focused CBT kind of course online. And one of the things that they do on in, in TFCBT is incorporate the parent throughout. And if they teach the child, like let's say diaphragmatic breathing, for instance, then they'll have the child teach the parent. And so then it's kind of um, incorporating the parent in the sessions and it's building kind of the bond between child and parent. So that was kind of my first um, introduction to working with uh, like child therapy um, and, and, then, and then introducing the idea of bringing in the parents. Um, so I, I actually, I'm not, I just have, I just started seeing my first uh, children clients this, a couple months ago. So um, any, any words of wisdom on how to incorporate parents that you found useful or that you, that you kind of go to when working with children and adolescents? Wow. Um, I think one of the most helpful things for me to learn is uh, setting up expectations that the parents are going to be involved at the beginning. Okay. Uh, I've definitely had families where the parents kind of give me the child and mm. then um, kind of, and, and I think it's partly based on just how counseling and psychology can be portrayed uh -huh. in the media too. Um, uh -huh. it, it's very individual focused. And so I've learned from the beginning to set up with the parent um, and emphasize, you are the expert on your child. Mm -hmm. You understand your family system. And I'm only with this child maybe an hour a week. Mm -hmm. um, well, you are a lot more than that. So I want to support you and learn from you. And let's talk about what role you can have in mm -hmm. this. So for a lot of parents, that looks like a check-in at the beginning, sometimes joint parent and child sessions throughout as well, depending on the child's needs and, yeah. and just keeping that really open communication with the parent um, with a lot of respect and learning from their perspective. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's been one of the most valuable things for me. Okay, that's helpful. All right, all right. Dr. Farrell, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, it's been a lot of fun. Um, thank you for sharing your experience with us and um, thanks for taking the time to join us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been uh, very enjoyable to share about my story and to get to know you as well. Oh, thank you.